Hey, folks, Tom and Keith just want to take a quick moment to say thank you to listen to The Front Row and listen to our podcast. Very much so. Uh, we appreciate uh, all the downloads and the uploads and the sideloads and all the other stuff you're doing. Exactly. That's uh, Mr. Technology over there, Keith Jones. I do want to let you know that uh, you're able to listen to this podcast commercial-free. Thanks to uh, the good folks at Seminole Boosters and uh, specifically the Dunlap Champions Club. You're familiar with the, the Dunlap Champions Club because it opened last year. Uh, I have been in it plenty of times, uh, not on game day because I have other duties uh, as assigned, if you will, on game day. But if you've been there, you can you can uh, share. Obviously, it's a terrific facility. And if you haven't been there, you've got an opportunity to, for the spring game. 50 bucks, get your seat in the Champions Club, Dunlap Champions Club. It'll get you all the soft drinks and food you can eat. You get an opportunity to see if it's something you want to maybe invest in as in the regular season comes but a, a neat little deal that boosters are doing for the spring game exactly right so take advantage you can visit seminoles.com backslash tickets or call 850-583-9066 line one to buy your tickets to the spring game and schedule a private tour now without further ado this week's front row broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is the front row with tom block and keith jones brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu here's tom and keith It is that time again. Time for the front row. Tom Block, Keith Jones. KJ, good to see you, sir. Midweek, midweek, midweek. Gotta love midweek. This will be the post-pro day edition of the front row. Post a lot of things, I guess. Post men's basketball season. Post women's basketball season. Post another loss to Florida in baseball. Too many posts. We're like we're building a fence. Exactly. But it is pre the spring game, and we have not talked a lot of football. I have not uh, spring football practice is not something that I get overly excited about, to be frank. Now, having been on hand for the Pro Day uh, festivities yesterday, as you and I were since we got the broadcast at for ACC Network Extra, uh, you know, all of a sudden you look and you see, oh, there's Derwin James over there and there's DeAndre Francois, and you start seeing these guys. And so I started feeling a little – I started feeling the football a little bit more. The thing that uh, – and I didn't comment on it, but the thing that uh, got me is when they did the drone shot coming from the Moore Center to the IPF – you noticed all of the padding and all of the extracurricular stuff was kind of thrown up against the side of the building, uh, not put up and not in an organized fashion, which tells you you're you're in the middle of, of spring ball because they'll practice and then throw that crap up against the side of the building because they're going to use it tomorrow or, or the day after tomorrow. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us later and we'll pick his brain about spring football, though he's been on the basketball circuit too, uh, as have many of the media or most of the media covering Florida State. But Keith, you and I have not talked a lot about spring football. Is there anything that has caught your eye, good or bad? Well, two things. Number one, I continue to be amazed at how many kids are held out of spring ball. Uh, that's a product of two things. Number one, uh, surgeries and things that take place after the end of the season and, and more and more, that's the remedy to fix something. Uh, and secondly, because spring starts so early now, you know, back in the old days, uh, our listeners hate when I reminisce, but, you know, we didn't start spring ball till May 1. You know, we didn't play the, the Garnet Gold game till the end of May. So those surgeries at the end of the year, you know, if they were maintenance type things, you could have them done and still be a participant 
uh, come spring ball. That doesn't help, uh, doesn't happen now. And I, I guess the positive thing out of it is no bad news on Derwin James. He's a full participant and nothing bad's happened because you just keep holding your breath that, that he can get into the season, play a full year, and let's see what he really can do when he gets a little experience. And we talked about it yesterday on the broadcast as he was observing the festivities. Dalvin Cook was the headliner this year, Jalen Ramsey a year ago. Two years ago it was Jameis. Next year it's Derwin James. Most likely, most likely. I mean, Derwin's – if he has – a year comparable to his freshman year everybody raves about him from a leadership standpoint it's very very good and and uh so maybe next year is, is his year there and we'll see how high he can go obviously he's got to stay healthy but i mentioned the word leadership that's one thing that came out of spring practice this week is jimbo basically saying he doesn't see enough leadership out there that to me was it can be coach speak in the spring it can be a way to motivate some guys. It can also be a little bit of a cause for concern because leadership has been lacking. Now, in the post-Jameis era, to be fair, there was going to be a leadership void. Something was going to fall off. Something was going to be different, and, and that has been the case the last couple of years. You'll recall, was it last year? Uh, maybe two years ago. Sometime during the spring, though, Jimbo went off on the lack of effort, lack of intensity. That's a different coach speak than lack of leadership. And the one thing he talked about based on, and I've not discussed it with him personally, but the things that I've read and the folks that I've talked to, is what he's really concerned about is is vocal leadership. There's there's two types of leadership. There's that say, I'm doing it this way, follow me, do it the way I do it. And there are others where sometimes you've got to get in somebody's face, sometimes you've got to get in a group's face, sometimes somebody has to stand up and say something. And his comment was along the lines, we don't have vocal leadership. And vocal leadership, while you can pull a kid aside and and ask him to do some things, they did that with Dalvin last year. If it's not innately a part of their DNA, so to speak, it's real hard at the college level to turn that on because they've been doing this in middle school. They've been doing it this way in high school. They've begun their college career. and It's like asking a left-handed person to start right, writing right-handed. Right. It, it's, it's big. It doesn't seem big, but it's really big. So point is, yeah, there may be some concern because you've got to have some vocal leadership uh, during a, a 12, 13, 14 game season. It's just got to be there. And if it's not there, going about finding a way to find it is very, very difficult. Derwin James, no question, will be a leader. He was a leader last year, even when he was hurt. But after Derwin, I'm not sure where you go in terms of who's the the most vocal guy next, either defense or offense. I don't know of anybody I mean, on the offensive DeMar- side. DeMarcus departing leaves a void up front. And and Derek Nottie's more of a soft-spoken, quiet guy. I don't know if Josh Sweat is that guy. He hasn't appeared to be. Hey, a- Josh doesn't have the foundation to be. They're not going to listen to him. He's and, got to prove himself. And first. then you look at the offensive side of the ball, and you're breaking in new guys at the skill positions. You're breaking in a new running back and fullback. DeAndre Francois can take a step up, but his nature is is no, quiet. He's quiet. And so then you look at the offensive line, and you lost Kareem R. and Rod Johnson, who were the most veteran guys there, and that leaves Alec Eberle. Uh, but he may not be the starting center. So I do think – I think there's concern. Or question, at least. I think it's concern. I mean, I, I bet – you're not alone For, for Jimbo opinion. to raise that – as calculated as Jimbo is, as much as he thinks through the things that he says, other than when he gets irritated and you know kicks somebody out of practice – but for him to have come out in post-game comment, post-practice comments, and say it the way he said it, 
it's a concern of his. He's worried about it and doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, have an answer for it yet, is still looking to try to find one. I'll take a moment quickly to remind you about Centrale Italian Parlor, old school Italian with a fun, fresh edge. It's uh, on Madison Street, making lunch great again, 11 items for 11 bucks. Last year they had the, uh, last week rather, they had the wine mixer. I didn't I didn't see you in the dunking booth. I, I was not in the dunking booth, but I did get a firsthand visual of it, and they were very, uh, well, economical compared to using a full vat or dunk tank worth of wine. It was a cup. It was a little bigger than a cup. Okay, a cup and a half. Well, Mr. Businessman, what would you propose they do instead? I, we, I'm, I'm proposing that as creative as Matt is, you come up with another name for it. Let's don't call it the dunking booth. It needs to be. It needs to have another okay. name. Well, that's a fair point. And then we'll trademark so, it and sell it. Same apparatus. Just don't don't mislead by calling it a dunk tank. Correct. I got gotcha. you. Anyway, it was a good time. Good crowd out there. Uh, I'll remind you that uh, if you work downtown, you can take the downtown trolley and get twenty percent off uh, your ride if. You show them your receipt from Centrale Township or Madison Social. And uh, you mentioned Matt. Major League Baseball season begins on uh, Monday. So what, of course, do they have? Or that's full opening day. But a wiffle ball tournament scheduled to take place outside. Are of they Vegas. playing it at the Clemson football facility? What? I don't think so. I'm not sure they got clearance from Dabo on that. For our listeners that don't know, the Clemson football facility has an indoor wiffle ball field, court, place, thing. I'd need a ruling on that. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with field, but I don't really know. And they also have a nap room at the Clemson facility. Hmm. And a barber shop, and about 12 million other things. And that's why Jimbo has a wish list. And he adds, as we mentioned well, things, he, he pulls out the pen and paper, writes down another thing for his suggestion box. You and I had this conversation sitting in the team meeting room, waiting for people to get weighed and, and, and measured. I'm starting. I'm starting the movement i'm starting a movement if or when florida state builds either a brand new standalone football facility or builds a smaller facility for the other sports moves them out of more revamps more or c does whatever they do i'm starting the momentum and the movement we don't need the ancillary crap we need what we need to win and we're not interested in a wiffle ball court field or otherwise. We don't need a barber shop. We don't need a napping room. We need what will make us a good and better and great football program. And we're so committed to it that we don't need any of the other crap. How about that? Well, my first thought would be I can see why you're not an assistant coach that's out on the road recruiting. My second thought would be I don't disagree. <laughs> I mean, it, but yet you're not going to join the movement. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need what everybody else is selling. That's the way the world works. And uh, until there's some restrictions I'm in saying, place, I'm selling. I'm saying we're good enough. We're going to sell something different. Well, and, and I do think that's and and that's what you have to do because every program has different things. So you sell what you have uh, to sell. Florida State can sell tradition, certainly. But please don't give away my honey fried chicken on Fridays, <laughs> and that's something Florida State sells as there well. There you go. All right, uh, we're talking football, talking pro day. Rod Johnson, uh, who participated in pro day yesterday, is going to join us next segment. Uh, we'll get his take not just on pro day, but sort of the whole lead up to the draft, which can be an anxious time. Perhaps not. He seems pretty grounded. We'll ask him about it when we continue on the front row. Stay with us.
the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. I don't know if that's our new Pro Day walk-up music or what, but uh, we welcome it. A little creative there. Tom and Keith with you, and uh, we are going to talk about FSU Pro Day and the pre-draft process, and we're really pleased that former Seminole Rod Johnson is kind enough to join us uh, for a few minutes. Rod joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Rod, I know you're you're sort of in a four-month period that's, I guess, uh, it's interviewing for a job and making sure you dot all the I's and cross all the T's leading up to the NFL draft. So so how are you, and, and, and how are you enjoying the process thus far? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm well, you know, uh, the process has been more fun for me than stressful. You know, as a kid, I've been dreaming all about this, and now that I'm now that I'm here, I've just been soaking it all in and, and just blessed to have this opportunity on my hand. Take us back to when the season wrapped up. How significant, uh, how much deliberation was involved in your decision about whether you should turn pro or come back for another year, and, and what were the variables that helped you make your decision? I mean, it, it wasn't the easiest decision in my life. You know, it, it was hard, you know, taking in all the variables and, you know, my family and I prayed about it. You know, I talked with my coaches and, and other sources, reliable sources, and it just ultimately came down to me just deciding that I really to pursue my dream and become a national, a, a professional football player. Uh, Rod KJ here. Uh, you you get up to Indianapolis to the combine, and then you uh, you get you get a virus or a, or the flu or something, and you're not able to work out. I, was that was that obviously disappointing? But uh, were you terribly concerned about it? Oh man, I mean, it, it, it was talk about adversity. There, there was some nasty I got up there, but you know, I, I wasn't hanging my head down about it. You know, when, when there's something bad, there's always something good. So I just took that as an opportunity to recover and get more time to respect my craft and get stronger and faster for pro day. And now that I did that, I think I had a very good pro day. Well, and let's elaborate on that. Tom and I uh, had the opportunity to broadcast that yesterday. What What were some of your goals going in? How do you think you did? What What was something that was maybe new or different that you hadn't considered? I think uh, nothing was new. I think I did all set all my goals and I achieved them all. I think I had a great pro day, and I think my brothers and my teammates had a phenomenal. They did their thing, and I think it was successful. Uh, you know, I just went in and proved and, and tried to show. That I was a pretty good tackler and one of the best ones in the class, in the draft class, and, and and that I think I did show. We'll get back to you specifically and and uh, your NFL hopes here momentarily, but I do want to point out for folks who aren't aware that uh, one of the things you did, which I thought was really creative and clever leading up, is that uh, you teamed up with Uplifting Athletes, uh, which has a, its local as its local charity, Kids First Fund, which as FSU fans are aware, raises funds for Fanconi anemia, which is something that uh, Coach Fisher's son, Ethan, uh, has and is dealing with. But uh, I think you asked folks to pledge based on the number of bench press reps that you did, and uh, you set a goal at 20 you hit 21 yesterday uh so congratulations there but but more than that uh, i think what it speaks to bigger picture is that there is truly a, a a strong relationship between players and coach fisher and his sons who are around the program a lot so you know what is your relationship with ethan and 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 trey and, and coach fisher like rod well uh, ethan and trey are great kids you know coach fisher always have them around you know they're always at practice and and at game days and hanging around the lounge and the facilities, you know, 
they're, they're great kids. I always speak. You know, our relationship, my relationship with them is, is phenomenal, you know, and, and, and Coach Fisher has always been there for me. He treats me just as his, his own. You know, he's always been there, never steered me wrong, and never had any bad altercations with him. And, and I was more than happy to do the uh, bench press for the uplift the athletes because, you know, I'm, we're all in this fight together. You know, we're all, we're, we're all one big family at Florida State. No question about it. Well, tip of the cap of you for that for that effort there. As far as what you're hearing now, uh, you know, the draft process, it can be a lot like the game of poker. I mean, nobody necessarily wants to tip their hand. I, I'm sure you're talking to some teams who say great things, and, and you won't know this till after the fact, and you may be convinced that Team A is going to be the one that's going to draft you, and lo and behold, it ends up being Team X that you hadn't even talked to. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what, what have you heard from former Florida State players or, or your agent or others that you've talked to about what to expect over the next month? Uh, expect the unexpected is what they say. Uh, I mean, you, 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 like you said, it's a game of poker. You don't know. I mean, and, and teams work you out, and then the team that didn't work you out is the one you end up going with. But, you know, these teams talk with each other, and sure, there are scout reports on you and, and, and all those kind of things and variables. So you just you just take it all in and just do what you're asked and just and just most definitely just have fun with it. I mean, don't, don't let it all get to you. I mean, you, as a kid, like I said earlier, as a kid, you – you prayed for times like this, and now that he's here, don't make it more than it seems. Just have fun and do what you're at. Rod, when you when you and I know from the other side of the poker table, you play in poker. I'm sure you've been advised. Don't say I want to go here. I don't want to go there. Here, there, and yon. But growing up as a kid, and, and, and you know what were what were some of the NFL teams that you watched and paid attention to? And, and the second part of the question: is, Do you have a feel yet for what type of offense? at the next level you think you might fit in best with? You know, West Coast, hurry up, traditional, two back, wide out, that type of thing. Who, who, who did you watch growing up, and what do you think you're best suited for? I mean, as, as a kid, I, I grew up watching it all. You know, of course, uh, I grew up with the Rams, and I, they, they left me, so I guess I'm a, no longer a St. Louis Rams fan or L.A. Rams fan, but uh, it's all over. I'm the Cowboys, uh, the, the Packers, the the Broncos. It was, it was it was just great football growing up, you know. And now that I have the opportunity to be in the league, uh, I really don't have a preference of what type of offense I'm in. Uh, I would be placed in. I would just be thankful that I'm I'm on the team, you know. And, and I wouldn't have a problem adjusting to hurry up, two back, or any types of offense. I'll just be able to be thankful to be playing playing football. See, Keith, he was well prepped for that question, which he was probably asked a time or two at the Combine, which leads me to this, Rod. And we won't ask you to name the team, but what was the strangest question you were asked during the interview process, assuming you went through your interviews while you while you were sick at the Combine? Yeah. Actually, I never got asked any strange question, believe that, but I did talk to some of the other athletes up there, and it was like, uh, how long can you go without blinking your eyes and one of the former athletes that went in 12 minutes without blinking their eyes. And would you rather be a cat or a dog and name a list of things you could do if I gave you a brick? It was all kind of questions <laughs> where your head was and, and do all, all kind of things with you. <laughs> well, what a lot of people may not know, Rod, is that uh, there'll be some other workouts between now and the draft. Do you have any specifically scheduled? Uh, and 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 you know, what's your approach to uh, you know flying in somewhere and spending a couple of days at a city, uh, showing them what you can do? Do you have anything set up? And and and, and what's that process? Do you think going to be like? For sure, uh, 
coming up uh, around the, the uh, fourth and the eighth, I'll have um, the Giants in Jacksonville, the Giants and the Jaguars, and then I'll be having Detroit coming in, and then at the end of the mid month, I'll be flying up to Washington for the Redskins. In the process, you know, just show them what I can do. You know, they're they're going to try to wear me out to see if I can still maintain the strain and. Still, still have a technique where my body's wore out, but you know, with the mind being the most powerful thing in your body, you just got to keep it pushing, and you know, and and all the time they keep everybody's telling me that condition is going to be the biggest thing. You know, just being I have to be in the best shape of my life. You know, just, I'm just going to still keep pumping the iron and being in the best shape of my life. We're talking with former Seminole offensive tackle Rod Johnson, who projects as uh, as one of the top handful of tackles in this year's draft. Do you have? Uh, hopes or th- or thoughts on what round uh, you may get drafted in? Uh, I don't have a, a hopes or thoughts. Maybe second or third round, hopefully. But like, it's a game of poker. You never know what can happen on draft day. The team switch and trade and expect the unexpected. Well, you looked uh, slim and trim yesterday. I think your official weight yesterday was three o three o one. Yes, sir. That that's a little down from you. What what do you what do you think you'll be asked to be at uh, from a playing weight standpoint? Uh, maybe around three ten. Usually I play around three hundred nine, three eleven, and of course I have to get that weight up, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, you mentioned the Redskins, and I, ironically, I was over at the Moore Center earlier today, and I walked out, and there's a guy clad in Redskins gear, little tiny figure that you'd never figure as an NFL guy and lo and behold it's Chris Thompson who's training here and has been with the Redskins for a few years uh he predates your playing days I guess but uh you had the opportunity to block for Dalvin Cook and you certainly know what's what's returning for Florida State I know you didn't play with uh, with Cam Akers but in terms of, of Jacquez Patrick and some of the others that have been here uh you know what what can you tell us about either their personalities or more specifically about the opportunity you had to open some holes for Dalvin uh, those are phenomenal guys. You know, I, I play with Dalvin and Jacquez, and, you know, they're nothing but hard workers and dedicated players. Uh, blocking for Dalvin, it wasn't much work to do. You know, as fast as Dalvin was, he could stick his foot in the ground, go vertical, and go for six. And, you know, it, it, it was fun and a pleasure playing with him. Rod, as we wrap up, uh, I, I know education and academics are very important to you. You're a cerebral guy. You can tell that but just by talking to you. And I remember meeting you as a freshman, and you were talking about uh, you know schoolwork, uh, which was now translated to college work. But where are you in terms of your degree, and, and um, you know what do you think that's going to look like once you get to the next level? You know about coming back and finishing up. Uh, very close to graduating. Uh, actually, probably about uh, thirty to thirty credits away. And, you know it's. For sure, as far as the off season goes, I will be taking the online classes, of course, because you know, mom doesn't play that. She wants me, mom and dad wants me to get the degree, and you know, I got to do whatever it takes to make them happy. Well, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. That's for sure. What 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 are you? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What are you pursuing? Uh, you know, football, and obviously, football is going to be in your future. But but whenever it's it stops being part of your life, what what are you studying, or what are your hopes outside of football? Uh, I'm I'm getting my degree in social science. Okay, very cool. Well, we uh, we congratulate you on your success so far, and uh, what are your plans for draft night? That I do not know. I mean, I'm talking, we're still going to talk about family and see what we can do about that. I don't know if I'll be there or I'll be at home. It's one of those two. All right, and I can't let you go without asking at least one question about Coach Trickett. So what can you tell us about Coach Trickett that we wouldn't know? 
you know all that you do need to know that he cusses and fusses and, and he's old and still going strong. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll tear up too, won't he? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he's the most passionate coach you'll ever meet. Yeah, no question. Hey, listen, uh, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Uh, it, it's refreshing to hear that somebody's enjoying this process and not stressed out by it because from the outside, it feels like it'd be very, very stressful. So um, it, it sounds like you got a good handle on it. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you for uh, what you've done at FSU and, and good luck finishing up your degree and, and wherever you land at the next level. And we'll, be, we'll keep our eye on you. It's a big target. It's, you're not hard to miss, but we'll keep our eye on you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rod Johnson, uh, who a, a month from today, actually, is when the, uh, well, what's it, maybe a month from yesterday? I don't know. April 27th to 29th. I don't know what the, the calendar date is right now. But he's going to hear his name called, and that's going to be a proud moment. Very much so. All right, we'll react to that and continue with more uh, on the front row right after this. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row, uh, I do want to take a moment to remind you that the front row is available on demand after every week's show. Two convenient methods. You can uh, go to the website and under the audio vault, uh, the drop-down menu, simply click on the front row or subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. I do also want to thank uh, the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club who sponsor the podcast. Uh, If you're not aware, I'm sure you're aware the spring game is coming up rather soon. Upcoming. Uh, you may not be aware that uh, there's a, a test drive opportunity there. If you haven't been in the Champions Club, want to check it out, see what it's all about. A $50 ticket will get you in there, which covers uh, all your food and non-alcoholic drinks, as well as uh, provides some shade, uh, 120 TVs or whatever it is, and a great opportunity to sample it. For and, and if you've not year. been in there, just just the, the interior and the way it's laid out and, and the views and the sight lines, uh, you really ought to consider it. A lot of people you know, might frown upon sitting in the end zone, but uh, we're, we grow up with that side view. And uh, you and I know from our television days, the best camera angle, going back and look at things, is that Alt-22, which means high end zone. You can see everything and side to side and splits, and it's a, it's a neat perspective to watch a football that's, game. That's what the coaches look at, no question. Uh, so we encourage you to do that. Uh, let's finish up uh, the pro day conversation here. First of all, thanks again to Rod Johnson. Obviously, uh, really good conversation there you can tell that uh he's got he's got plenty of things out there besides football in his future uh good to know though that mom's leaning on him to finish up that degree uh as he moves on to the next level what stood out uh well rod stood out yesterday i thought and that he did look slim and trim and his you know his measurables were all good 21 on the uh, bench i think he was like at 507 or something like that it was it was it was pretty close to five flat for a guy that weighs 300 pounds in the 40. Well, and, and he needed that because, as we mentioned, he actually fell ill while he was in Indianapolis and physically unable to compete, uh, only got weighed and, and some of the other measurables. So this was his combine. Uh, I think he performed very well. The two guys, and you and I talked about it during the telecast, one of, one of the things that it's interesting about the individual pro day is is 
you, you kind of hold your breath hoping somebody doesn't make a mistake or somebody doesn't do something bad. And with the, the two highest profile athletes in this draft, which was DeMarcus and, and Dalvin, you, you're kind of holding your breath because they agreed to participate in, in some other things. Dalvin in particular, um, you know, I thought really solidified his stock. He, he, he ran a 4-4-4 or 4-4-3 in one of his 40 times. Uh, there was even a tweet, uh, which I think is a little bad, but someone had tried to go back and measure the actual elapsed time on their phone or something and said, no, it was really a 4.39. But the point being, he'd run right at 4.5 up in Indianapolis, and now he's in the low 4.4s, which I would have told you where his speed is. The other one that I thought improved their stock, actually improved their stock, was DeMarcus, particularly in the individual drills. I mean, his his enthusiasm, more importantly, his intensity and his focus uh, really came through in those individual workouts and those individual drills. Uh, at one point, I thought we were uh, in the indoor practice facility. I thought a tennis match had broken out, and Martina Natatrova was serving or something. Whoever used to grunt all the time when they served or whoever grunted in their backhand because there's all these sounds coming from, from behind us, and it was DeMarcus going through pass rushing drills. Uh, very vocal, very loud. Uh, I I think he really benefited himself, and and most importantly, no one hurt themselves. Uh, So I think uh, overall it was a very, very important day and a very big day. So as we were signing off the broadcast yesterday, you asked me a question I hadn't pondered, and that was the number on how many players are going to get drafted this year from FSU. So you set the number at five, and I uh, agreed hastily without counting through it. So let's count through it right now. Dalvin's going to get drafted. DeMarcus is going to get drafted. Rod Johnson's going to get drafted. Marquez White, I thought looked very fluid yesterday. He he figures to get drafted. I believe will, and I and I believe one of the three receivers. So Travis Rudolph probably or Kermit. Well, it depends on what you want. Yeah, uh, you know Travis probably fits the mold of a true wideout. I think Kermit uh, and the other youngster are more of your slot types of receivers. So as they get into the fourth and fifth and sixth round, whatever the team's needs are. Uh, but I think you know. Remember, eight were invited to the combine. Um, I think five is a reasonable number to expect to be drafted. Uh, I believe probably 10 or 11, when everything is said and done, will actually sign once the free agent period is over with. Uh, so I think Florida State will be well represented, maybe not uh, the biggest class or, or a highest profile class, but certainly a good sit, a solid class uh, for, for the 2016 team. So Dalvin, DeMarcus, Marquez, Rod, one of the three receivers, uh, no shot for Freddie Stevenson or Kareem R. Well, remember with Freddie, very few NFL teams need a true fullback. Those that need a fullback should look at him, but I don't know that they'll have to extend a draft pick to get him. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be available. Uh, Kareem, I, I'm just not sure about Kareem. When he was going one-on-one with Rod, they had the two of them matched up. You know, one I'm playing the offensive guy and, and then switching one I'm playing the defensive guy. Uh, you could just physically look at the difference between the two of them. Now, R's a guard and Big Rod is a tackle. But just in terms of their movement and their body composition and their their their, their force, <laughs> pardon me, you can just tell that, that Johnson's further along the evolution process and the, and the workout process than Kareem was. Um, uh, it may be a tough road to hoe for R. I'm not sure. Is there anybody else we left out? You know, I, we were there I yesterday. Would, I'm trying to think of what. I would, I, Sean McGuire. Well, I, Sean will sign with somebody. Somebody will take a shot on him. I think somebody will sign Tyler Hunter. You know, Tyler did not play in the NFL last year, went to Canada. 
So he's got a he's got tape, uh, different game, uh, different format of a game. Uh, but Tyler Hunter uh, had a good workout, and he may get a, a shot uh, on down the road from somebody after he's invested his time up in Canada. So, you know, as I say, it could be 10, 11 that actually end up signing when everything is said and done. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, and this concludes the Pro Day draft speculation portion of the front row. Yeah, and I appreciate you not asking me, as you have all Pro Days prior, Jones, what do you think you could run the 40 in? Well, after the ninth time, I finally figured out that you don't like that question. No. What do you think you could run it in? <laughs> all I know is the last time. <laughs> Come on. I, I mean, the you last put it on time, a team for me. The last time it was suggested with anybody with any intelligence about my 40 time, they said that uh, they could measure it with a sundial. Well, we just passed Corey Clark, who apparently ran a 4.8 something. Well, good for Corey Clark. You know, well, that's why he's on seminal headlines and we're merely the front row. That's what it comes down to. Let me answer it this way. We ain't going to know because I ain't going to do it. <laughs> Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider, will join Let's us Let's ask next. him what he runs the 40 in. Maybe we will right after this. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on the Front Row, we have scrapped any new walk-up music plans as our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt joins us. Have we gone unplugged? Via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, we just, you know, it's been such a roller coaster on the walk-up music, we just decided to scrap it. I, I, maybe we'll bring it back at the start of football season. I'm not really sure where to go. If you have thoughts, uh, now's, your, now's your time. Uh, at this rate, I, I probably would just would go away. The, the track record is, is long enough that we see the bad things tend to happen. So maybe, uh, maybe we should try a different tack. All right, you said bad things tend to happen, and Keith and I have made it this far in the show, and we haven't mentioned FSU baseball yet, so I guess uh, we we got to bring up the inevitable, which is that FSU lost another one to the Gators in uh, a sport that they used to own against uh, Florida. So are we reaching for the panic button now? No, I don't think so. Look, you can reach for the frustration button for sure, if, if you like, and reading some of Mike Martin's quotes, it sounds like he was pretty frustrated as well. I, you know, I think that uh, of every coach on Florida State's campus, I'm not sure any of them hates losing to Florida more than he does. Uh, so I, you know, I definitely get the, the anger and, and the frustration over it, especially because you know look, Florida's probably not up to its usual standards of the last couple of years uh, either. Uh, you know they they're still ranked in the top 25, but so many of those arms that uh, that had dominated for so long over the last few years, they're not there anymore. It's kind of, they're kind of feeling their way through this season. Uh, and yet, for one reason or another, on those Tuesday games, they, they seem to have Florida State's number. So I get the frustration. But you know, to me, I would look at the, the next few weeks with this baseball team and, and the ACC series as far bigger indicators uh, of what this year is going to be. You've got a top-10 team in North Carolina coming to town this weekend, and you play Florida Gulf Coast again, who, by the way, is ranked in the top 25. Uh, and then you hit the road to go to NC State, who's always tough uh, in the ACC and is uh, certainly tough playing them at home. So... Uh, a pretty difficult stretch, difficult couple of weeks coming up for uh, for Florida State. Oh, and, and in that stretch, also you'll play Florida at home. 
uh, to me, it's these next two, three, four weeks. Really, uh, you know, looking at the schedule earlier this morning, uh, from now until the end of April, I think we'll tell you far more about what this baseball team is made of uh, than anything that happened in Jacksonville on a Tuesday night. Well, I do think, to be fair, and and I'm with you on that. I asked you that question, but really, uh, you know, you look at the first game, and the Knowles played the first game against Florida without Jackson Luke and Drew Mendoza, and then they played last night without Dylan Busby and Drew Mendoza, and so that's two of the top three hitters on the team that, that have not played, and they haven't had their full complement, and I don't know what Florida's been missing, but those are those are not just, uh, uh, you know, decent hitters. Those are good players that, that FSU's been missing. Um, exactly, and look, I... I well, we, you know, to reiterate, I don't want to tell people that they shouldn't feel frustrated or irritated. You know, you you, you want to beat Florida, and and uh, certainly some of those games, uh, you, you know, like the one in, in Gainesville where they lost one nothing. You, you feel like you're there, and for one reason or another, it just doesn't work out. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you know the season is doomed or anything like that. Far from it. Well, and I do think, and and fans don't do this, but I do think we need to separate the previous year's frustrations with Florida and just look at this year. It's different teams. This year's team's 0-2, but they've been pretty much even games. Last night when I looked at the box score, I mean, FSU pitchers struck out more Gators than the other way around. They well, issued fewer walks. One, FSU had more swing, on base. You're one swing yeah. away from a 1-0 game. I mean, you yeah. had people on base, you don't know what happened, but you know, with that 3-1 home run, that, that kind of skews the right, exactly end right. result, so to speak. Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, there's some key games coming up. Uh, Drew Mendoza getting back, which Mike Martin has said will be Florida Gulf Coast, uh, he thinks. Um, not this weekend. That'll be big. J.D. Drew is coming back. Unfortunately, they can't put him in the lineup, but uh, probably overdue that he gets his jersey retired, Tim, given uh, what he did when he wore the garnet and gold for FSU. Oh, gosh. I mean, he was just fantastic. And, you know, you, you have players, and I'll, I'll, I'll date myself a little bit here. You, When you were growing up, when you were a kid who just, you know, they seemed sort of larger than life when they played. And, and that was, you know, when I was growing up in Tallahassee, that was J.D. Drew. I mean, he was just unbelievable. And then, you know, the best part of J.D. Drew is, like, you know, I think like a lot of those, a lot of players, uh, especially when you're a kid, you know, you go back as an adult and you look back and see what they did and, and maybe find that the, the production or the reality doesn't quite line up with your memory of it. Well, with J.D. Drew, it's, it's even better. I mean, that guy was just unbelievable uh, as, a, as a hitter, of course, but also on the base pass. Uh, you know, fantastic uh, base runner, great fielder. Uh, it really just was the total package. And, you know, I, I, there, there's a lot of debate. I think I saw some people on Twitter discussing the other night over, you know, J.D. Drew or Buster Posey as far as the, the, the greatest player in school history. And I'm sure there's some other guys that merit inclusion in that discussion as well. Uh, but for me, and then this is probably my, my biases and, and my era showing up, man, it, it's really, really tough to top J.D. Drew and, and what he did, uh, especially as a junior at Florida State. And how many prior baseball numbers have been retired, Mr. Linnefeld? Uh, just, just the one. I, be, I bet our listeners don't know that, Tommy. This will only this will just be the second baseball number retired in Florida State's program. And the other guy's name is on the stadium. Exactly. So exactly. Mike Martin's numbers retired. Oh, his name's on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting, I mean, in Florida State's had uh, several Golden Spikes Award winners in terms of national type player of the years. So uh, you could make a case for a lot of. But JD Drew and, and you know Tim, I'm. I think I'm probably with you on the Drew over Posey thing. And I was behind the Mike Collin baseball when Posey played. And I love Posey in his junior year. It's hard to argue with those numbers. But that '97 season, JD had different era. But I mean, uh, over a hundred RBI, over a hundred runs, over thirty steals, over thirty well, home runs. Player, he had a thirty-something game hit streak that year. First player in the history of the NCAA 
to hit 30 home runs and steal 30 bases in the same season. And uh, correct me, fellas, has it been done since? Uh, that I'm not sure of. I don't know. Well, another thing, but, though. Well, you know, I don't think players don't really hit 30 home runs in college baseball anymore. I mean, so when the, way the bats changed and all that right. stuff. But I'm just saying he may be the only one that's ever done that. Yeah, and, and I don't know. The, but what we're weighing here is, is so there's recency bias versus lefty bias, you know, because there was something yeah. about watching that stroke for J.D. and just putting him towards the circus tent. Uh, I mean, the same guy hitting left-handed just looks better than if he was hitting right-handed. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I think to some degree, Buster gets a little bit of extra credit because he's had so much success uh, at the professional level. But, you know, if you go back and look at J.D., I well, if you're if you're comparing he wasn't a slouch in the major league. No, he wasn't. But I think if you're comparing full careers, you probably would put Buster there. Uh, you're right. J.D. was not a slouch. J.D., because he he did the deal where he turned down his original draft pick, I guess, with the Phillies, and he went and played for the St. Paul Saints, uh, he appeared to be you know more interested in the dollar than the game. And whether that's accurate or not, that perception followed him for a while. And obviously, he signed several big-dollar deals throughout his career. I have. I know this is we're, we're probably going to go down a, a a meandering road, but I have a great J.D. Drew story as long as we're talking about him as a kid and, and baseball. I have... Um, Somehow or another, I don't really know how I did this, but when I was a, I guess I would have been like 11 or 12, um, I somehow found my way into the, uh, the Florida State Clubhouse after a game, and I had caught a foul ball. They call that breaking and entering, Tim. Go ahead. <laughs> not when you're 11, it's not. Oh, okay. And, uh, and so anyway. It's uh, called an attractive uh, nuisance when you're 11. <laughs> I, I managed to, uh, I don't know about attractive, uh, I managed to, uh, to get uh, the ball, the baseball signed by, I, it had to be everybody in that clubhouse. I mean, Jeremy Morris was on there. I think Brooks Badeau was on that team, some other guys. I got everybody but J.D. Drew. I don't know where he was, but he wasn't there. And I still have the ball. So, you know, the que- and he's been back once or twice. The question is now, like, do I go back to him? Like, when he comes back in a couple weeks and gets his jersey retired, do I tell him the story and get the, get the ball completed, or do I leave it the way it is? Uh, I would go to him, not tell all the details you just shared, but just say, hey, you know, I have this ball and somehow I missed you. Let him sign it. Then tell him that, you know, he had left the clubhouse <laughs> and didn't want to stick around or he big-timed you or whatever the story was. I, mean, I don't think he knew that I was out there, you know, waiting for him or anything. It just, it just didn't work out. Well, here's my J.D. Drew story, and it comes from Chip Baker. As long as we're on this meandering road, we might as well meander even further. Uh, Chip obviously was an assistant coach back then, not the baseball ops guy as he is now. And J.D., prior to the 97 season, was having just a mediocre or average camp. He wasn't... He wasn't doing well at all by J.D. standards. And so Chip said something about him, and, uh, you know, J.D. said, don't worry, when the season starts, I'll flip the switch. So Chip took that, being Chip, and he installed a light switch in J.D.'s locker that wasn't connected to anything, but it was a little switch. He never said anything to him, and J.D. never said anything to Chip, but every game that year, if you walked in and a game was going on, that switch was up. And if you walked in after, the switch was down. So that was the communication. from. And Chip could probably tell a more accurate version of that, but that's the, that's the rendition that I know. I left you speechless, all of you. Well, I, know, I, I was not seeing if Keith had anything to add. Well, no, that's the 37th time I've heard that story in the last well, the 12 months. Yes, he was the first time. That means our listeners, though, have probably heard it 36 times if you've heard it 37. I'm just saying. What else do we need to talk about? Softball team is still uh, pretty doggone good. We have not given them their due, clearly. But uh, 31-1-1, one, and one, I think they are now. Uh, you know, at this point, they've got to get to Oklahoma City and make some noise. They've been so good this year, Tim. I think so. And, and the cool thing about them, and I've, we were talking to them before the season started, is, is, you know, most teams, just about anywhere, 
uh, at any level kind of, you know, they will embrace expectations, but they'll, they'll kind of downplay things a little bit and, you know, they take it one game at a time and all that sort of thing. Uh, this group really from day one has said, you know, look, our goal is to get to Oklahoma city and to win it. And that's what we expect to do. Like they're, they're not shy about it. They know they're really good. Uh, it's a group that's played together for a really long time. I mean, how many teams out there uh, return the way they have their conferences player of the year and conference pitcher of the year. And they're, they're both returning. They're both on the team again this year from last year. Uh, I can't imagine that happens uh, or, or whatever the equivalent to that would be uh, too often across any sport in, in college athletics. So for Florida State, it gives you an idea of just kind of how loaded that roster is. And, and certainly to this point, uh, they've lived up to expectations. And, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any you know, problem saying they would agree with you that, that, that they, they expect to get to Oklahoma City and, and make some noise out there and, and perhaps win it. I mean, you know, you look at it, they were basically an out away from making the final series last year. Uh, and, and in that case, it, it was funny talking to Lonnie Alameda how uh, – you know, she she said as well as they were doing, you know, tearing through the regional, ripping through the super regional, getting out there. She would tell anybody who would listen that that team was ahead of schedule, that that they didn't have that group pegged for that type of year. And of course, you know, you sort of shake your head and roll your eyes, like, come on, you're you're crushing everybody. Well, it turns out she might have been right. So uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty special year over there for sure. Well, Tim, I'm uh, I told Tommy uh, I'm ready to say that the women's basketball game has to be 45 minutes, not 40. Because I think if Sue had had five more minutes and the ladies had five more minutes, they'd take care of South Carolina. Man, it, it certainly felt like they were going to do it anyway there for a minute, didn't it? We were uh, we were watching, and, and yeah, you, you sort of felt they just sort of, uh, you know, they, they ran out of time. Uh, we're, we're behind when time ran out to borrow uh, Vince Lombardi, whoever it was. You know, you would love to see what would have happened. The, the two, the two, the one missed call, and then the, I guess they were both missed calls. The one where I think it was Brittany Brown caught an elbow in the face while the South Carolina girl was driving to the basket, and then a few minutes later, a few moments later, when Leticia Mara seemed like she had a pretty clean steal and would have had a clean look at the basket, a uh, clean layup, you know, what would have happened if those calls gone the other way? But, you know, South Carolina's a difficult team, and, and Florida State did put itself in a tough position by falling down as, as much as it did. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's tough to, to rally and come back so close and then uh, not be able to complete the comeback. They showed more toughness throughout the tournament than I thought they had shown over the course of the season, though. So I, I, I definitely will give them credit there. I mean, that was, uh, you know, I guess technically we're, we can't – you can debate whether it was the best team that Florida State's ever had in women's basketball because there's been a couple of others who have gotten to this point. For my money, it was. Uh, but I was I was impressed with their fortitude as they went through the NCAA tournament this year. You know, I really thought so against Oregon State. When you fall down 21-4 to four to anybody, uh, you know, it's easy to hit the panic button and sort of play out the string and, and, and take your lumps and go home. Uh, to, to mount that type of rally again against any Division One team when you're down 17 points after a quarter or during the first quarter, uh, to do that against anybody, much less a, a team that was, you know, the number two seed uh, in your region and, and had made the Final Four a year ago, I mean, you know, look, this team hasn't made the Final Four yet, and those programs haven't made the Final Four yet. So by by the exact definition, they're not a Final Four program yet. But for all intents and purposes, they're that caliber of a team. You know, two years ago, they made the Elite Eight uh, and were even closer to beat. They lost to South Carolina, were even closer, led for much of that game before letting it get away at the end. Uh, this year, I think, that you know, they, again, went toe-to-toe with a team that, that made it there. I, I, there's something to be said for getting over that hump and finding a way to do it, but in terms of, you know, where the program is in, in terms of its stature, uh, I mean, they're right there. All right, Tim, here's your marching orders. Next week, we got to have a position-by-position breakdown as we head into the spring game. The spring football game? Yep. Are they, are they playing? So yeah. I hear. So you, I hear. You wouldn't know from how little attention we've paid to it on this show, <laughs> but, yes, they are playing that next week. <laughs> well, you guys can talk about that when I'm gone. 
All right. Speaking of which, you're gone. Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. We'll come back and wrap up the show right after this. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. All right, we'll wrap things up. But uh, as you just heard, that if uh, you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, please uh, tell Ron and his staff hello. Give them a visit at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. couple locations to choose from. You just heard where they are. You can call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. Keith, uh, we're more of a married couple than I realized since you've heard that story 36 times already. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to articulate all the times I've put up with hearing your same corny jokes that's no. like like 436 times over the last? Not necessary. I do have a story. It's not really a story, but uh, it relates to FSU baseball. It's actually not a story, but it's a point. So the team on the top of your head? Uh, no, not no, it's something I was thinking about. And this relates, so this is this is uh the the blocks meaning my family, we're going to Omaha this year with or without FSU. And this is not my doing. My wife, who went to LSU, has never been. And when you're in Louisiana, LSU is a big deal, as you would expect. And they've had quite a bit of success, six national titles in college baseball. So you hear lots of stories from people who've had One great... One of them with a walk-off home run, if I recall. Yes, from Warren Morris yep. against Miami. Yep. Uh, so anyway, point being, lots of people in Louisiana have gone to Omaha, and they rave about what a great time it is for the College World Series. So this is actually my wife wants to go. So we're going for opening weekend regardless. Now, it will be much more interesting if FSU or LSU or both are there. If neither are there, it is what it is. But here's the point. LSU was a top five or top ten program at the start of this year, too, just like FSU. So the Knolls are 18 and 8, and LSU is 17 and 8. And LSU has lost twice to New Orleans this year. They lost to Tulane last night. They lost two games to Florida this past weekend and then won the finale. So if you compare that and then you look at FSU and you say, well, FSU stumbled and lost a game against USF and Florida Gulf Coast, and they've lost two against Florida, it's pretty comparable. But we get so close to FSU, we were looking for that panic button saying it's all over. The reason I told my wife that this will work out fine is because neither FSU nor LSU was in Omaha last year. And if you go back 30 years, it's happened like probably four times that neither of them has been there because they've both been so good. So I felt pretty good about it. I don't know if it's ever happened back-to-back years. So one of them's got to get there. That's that's the moral of the story. So hopefully, hopefully 11's listening. If, if they get uh, this over in Baton Rouge, what is your point that you'd like to weigh in? Thank you for sharing. And that's the first time I've shared that story. Just wait. We've got how many more weeks between now and mid-June? So, I mean, I can tell that story every week from here on out. Okay. Tom. Yeah. Take your switch. Move it to off. Will do. Because the show's over? Mm -hmm. Or because you don't want to hear me anymore? Yes. All right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you again next (laughs) week on the front row. And I'll flip the switch first. (laughs) 